Hello, hello, and welcome back to this episode with me, your host, Dallin Haas. And if you're a federal employee looking to get the most out of your money, your retirement, your federal benefits, your TSP, your taxes, all that stuff, well, guess what? You are in the right spot because this is the place where we talk about that sort of thing all the time. And today, we got some good stuff coming for you, some great stuff because Honestly, there's actually a link below where, where many of you guys have submitted tons of great questions that you guys have about your TSP, about your federal retirement, tons of things that I think are gonna be extremely beneficial for you. And I've gotten so many questions that it's really, really hard to cover them all, basically impossible. But today I'm gonna cram actually a lot of questions into this and cover them as thoroughly, but also as quickly as I possibly can. So we're gonna jump right in and start answering them. So, first one. First question says, hey, can I roll over a portion of my TSP to an IRA versus the entire account? So great question, so let's give some context. When you retire, many people consider rolling their TSP over to an IRA. Now, if you've never heard about this or this is unfamiliar, there's gonna be a link below to really go deep into the side-by-side -side comparison of an IRA versus TSP so you could do that. To answer this question specifically though, the answer is yes. You, if you do a rollover, you don't have to do the entire amount. You can just do some. And a reason why some people may do that is to continue to invest in the G fund within the TSP, but at the same time get their money out and get the flexibility that an IRA brings. So that's something, something to definitely consider. All right, question number two. Again, like I said, we're gonna jump through these quickly so I could get as many questions as I possibly can. Question number two has to do with the TSP as well. They say, should I keep my money in the TSP in retirement or roll it over to an IRA for better gains? Okay, another great question. This is connected, of course, to the first question of basically, hey, should you move your money from the TSP to an IRA in retirement. Again, there'll be an article below to go in a really, really thorough dive because there's some nuanced differences between the TSP and an IRA just as accounts go, right? Um, but what they ask here is, hey, should you move to an IRA for better gains, okay? Now, when it comes to how much your TSP can grow compared to, let's say, an IRA, it all comes down to how you invest the money, right? There's no magic fund outside the TSP that are magically gonna do better just because it's outside the TSP, right? The C fund and S fund, those funds can do extremely well, okay? The only way you can potentially do better is if you take more risk, which isn't always what you want to do, okay? Because more risk does not always mean better, right? The C fund and S funds are exceptional funds that can grow really, really well. And so honestly, I would not leave the TSP to earn more money. That's not why I'd leave, right? If you're considering leaving, the main reasons in my opinion is to allow you more flexibility where there are more investment options, right? Not necessarily always for better gains, but there's more flexibility in what you can invest in. There's more flexibility in what types of accounts you can invest in what. For example, quick example, if you have any Roth money, let's say in, in the Roth TSP, well, while your money's in the TSP, you cannot invest your pre-tax money in the TSP and your Roth TSP differently. They are forced to be invested exactly the same, which in retirement, you probably don't wanna do that. You wanna invest them differently, because ideally, if you could let one of those grow for longer, well, you want your after-tax money to continue growing after tax. 
so that there's more money in there. And over time, when you take that money out, it's completely tax-free. Now, again, if you're unfamiliar with the Roth DSP, you can Google to say Roth DSP, Haas Federal Advisors. You can get tons of information to learn whether or not you should be using it. But there's some incredible advantages to have the flexibility that an IRA has in retirement. Now, uh, the big the big advantage that the TSP has is it's simple and you've been using it for decades, right? By the time you retire. And so if you like the simplicity, there's often a reason to keep it in the TSP. But again, if you want flexibility and to really implement some some more advanced strategies when it comes to taxes and how you invest your money, well, that's got to happen in an IRA, right? Okay, next question. They say, I, am I eligible to retire at age 54 with 30 years of service under FERS? And how does this affect my pension and social security? Okay, so great question. So it sounds like this, this individual is 54 years old. They have 30 years of federal service. Now, there's really two different types of um, retirement systems within FERS, okay? There are those that are traditional FERS employees, right? And then those that are special provisions. Now, you special provisions employees generally have very physically demanding jobs like firefighters, law enforcement officers, air traffic controllers, you folks, right? And so you actually are able to retire earlier. Now, if you are a special provisions employee, as long as you have 25 years of service, you can retire at any age. If you have 20 years of service, you can retire at age 50 or older, okay? Now, if you're a traditional FERS employee, if you have, let's say, 30 years of service, you gotta wait till your minimum retirement age, which for most of you is gonna be right around 57, okay? So for this employee, if they're traditional FERS and they're age 54 with 30 years, well, they gotta wait till about 57 to retire, right? And so if they actually left the government at 54 with 30 years of service, they would be eligible for what they call a deferred retirement, which there's a lot of disadvantages for the deferred retirement. One of them being you can't keep your health insurance in retirement. You can't keep any of the life insurance, dental, you can't keep any of that, right? And you can't get a pension until 57. So you lose all the insurance, right? And you can't get a pension right away until 57. So if you leave at 54, you don't get anything until 57. Right, so there's a huge disadvantage there. If you wanna learn more about a deferred retirement, again, just Google deferred retirement, Haas Federal Advisors, I got tons of stuff on that as well. Um, so basically, it almost becomes an all or nothing where you gotta hit the minimum retirement age to keep the big benefits like your, your health insurance and all the things that are really, really helpful in retirement to have a comfortable retirement. Okay, question number four. They ask, is it wise to wait and file for Social Security the month after I receive my unused annual leave lump sum check? And I don't want, I don't want the amount to be counted as income and affect my Social Security amount. Okay, so this is a great, great question. So basically what they're referring to, so if you're not familiar, when you retire, there's a couple things that may be reduced if you go take another job, right? If you are getting the first supplement or the social security supplement, if you go take another job after you leave your federal federal job, then your first supplement can be reduced. Also, if you start social security before your full retirement age, right? So before 66, 67 is the retirement age, full retirement age for most of you. If you start social security before then, and you are working a job, then your social security can be reduced as well, right? And so what th that is what this employee is worried about is, hey, 
when should I start Social Security? I don't want it to be reduced by my lump sum payment that I'm gonna get from my unused annual leave at retirement, right? Well, the good news is when it comes to reducing things like your first supplement, your Social Security, things like that, they generally don't look at the income that you got from your job before you retired, right? But let's say you're 63, right? You're 63, you're still working, and let's say you start Social Security at 62, right? Well, then your Social Security will be reduced because you're still working. You're still working. So that's something to definitely consider. Generally, you don't want to start Social Security while you're still working because first, why do you need the income, right? And second, it's going to be reduced. So just wait and get the increases and things like that. So those are some things to think about. Again, this is there's a lot of details here that I'm not going to go into, but I have tons of articles on my website about Social Security when you should start it. There's a reduction that happens here for a supplement and Social Security. So definitely check those out on the website. Okay, question number, let's see, five. Question five. The, this Fed asks, they say, if 100% of my retirement money is located in the regular pre-tax TSP, is it possible for me to transfer it to the Roth TSP? And if it is possible, would it be a smart move? So great question. To answer your question quickly is no. Within the confines of your TSP, you cannot move money from the pre-tax side over to the Roth side. That is not allowed, okay? Now, one thing you can do is once you're retired, you can move money from a traditional TSP and you can get it over to what they call a Roth IRA. Very similar to the Roth TSP, just outside the TSP, right? And so to answer the question of, okay, should you be doing that though, right? Well, it depends. So when you move money from, let's say something like a traditional pre-tax TSP over to a Roth IRA, whenever you move money over like that, that is when you're gonna pay taxes on it. So let's say you move $10,000 over, where you're gonna pay taxes as if you had $10,000 worth of income that year, right? But once that 10 grand, let's say, is in the Roth IRA, well then it can grow tax-free for as long as you keep it in there. And then the 10 grand plus any growth comes out tax-free. So quick example, let's say that $10,000 grew to 20,000. Well that entire 20,000 can come out of the Roth IRA uh, whenever you want in retirement, um, basically tax-free, assuming you're over 59 and a half and there's, there's a bunch of rules. But assuming you meet all the rules, then it all comes out tax-free, which is really, really nice. So in retirement, and this, this kind of money movement is called a Roth conversion. So in retirement, that can be a great strategy to get money over to a Roth IRA over time. You generally don't want to do it in big lump sums because that is a big tax implication, okay? Things to think about, right? Next question. They ask, I am in the special retirement uh, category, but I have never heard of the 10% bonus you have mentioned. I am guessing it doesn't apply to special retirement employees. Okay, so great question here. So if you're not familiar, for traditional first, so not the special provisions guys, not the air traffic controllers, not the firefighters, not them, for, for the regular guys. If you have at least 20 years of service and you retire at 62 or later, then you get a 10% bump to your pension, a 10% bonus to your pension in how it's calculated, right? So there's a big incentive often to wait, if you're close to age 62 to retire to get that bump, right? That's big. If you want more information on that, go to my website, there's a bunch of articles on it. Um, but this person is a special provisions employee, right? So they're probably an air traffic controller, firefighter, or law enforcement officer. Now, if you, 
are one of those, a special provisions employee, then you do not get this 10% bonus I was talking about unless unless you don't have enough special provision time to qualify for their you know, special um, early retirements, right? If you don't have enough special provision time, then you may fall under just the traditional rules. And if you do, then of course you would be eligible for the 10% bonus, right? But that's only if you don't qualify for the early retirement, basically, that comes with being a special provisions employee. So hopefully that makes sense and we'll, we'll move right along. So last question here. The, this federal employee asks, they say, is there any benefit to retiring at the end of January, which would mean locking in a full payday in the new year with the first of the year pay raise? Great question. So picking a day to retire within a year, within six months of when you wanna retire, there's a number of things to think about. This Fed is asking, hey, is there any benefit for waiting until let's say the end of January so they have a full pay period with the raise that they got in January, right? Because many Januaries, there is um, a pay raise, right? Across the board. And so he's saying, hey, is there any advantage for sticking it out through the end of January so that I get at least a pay period of that raise? So there's a couple of things to consider. First, you do get a lump sum check for any unused annual leave that you have on the books at retirement. But as you know, only so much of that annual leave will come with you to the next leave year, right? And so it's generally 240 hours that can come across, right? It may be different for your position, but generally it's 240. So if you have 300 hours, well, you're gonna be giving up 60 hours of that, um, of that annual leave just by waiting through the new year. So if that's you, hey, you may want to retire before then if you're eligible, assuming. So maybe the end of December, right? But if that's not a factor, right? If that's not a factor for you, then it's like, okay, is it worth just sticking around for that pay raise? Well, there's a few things to think about. Obviously, um, for that pay raise, you get paid more than you did the previous pay raise or the previous um, pay period, right? So that's nice, but it's really not going to affect your pension very much at all because your pension is based on what they call your high three. Your high three is your average annual salary during the 36 consecutive months you got paid the most, right? So it's an average. So having just one pay period where you have this, this, this higher salary isn't really gonna affect that average very much at all because it's over 36 months that they average this out, right? But if you wanted to, let's say for, this is a common-ish scenario where someone moves to somewhere like California where the locality pay is actually very, very high, where they get a big bump in salary, right? Often they're incentivized to stay there and keep working for at least three years so that their high three includes that higher salary and which means their pension will be higher for the, the rest of their life when they retire, right? So that's a common thing for people to do is, hey, when you are close to retirement, move to a place where the locality pay is high, you get paid more, obviously the cost of living there is probably higher as well, right? That's why the locality pay is higher, but then your pension is gonna be higher for the rest of your life. And you don't have to stay in California in retirement. You can move to a low cost area, but your pension remains high, right? So food for thought. So those are the seven questions. I know those are tons of different topics, but hopefully a few of those applied to you and gave you some value. So. If you have any questions, there's a link below to submit those. Again, I can't promise to answer them all because I get lots and lots of questions, but um, I hope that was helpful. Have an incredible rest of your day. We'll talk soon.